0: Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. I love Winnipeg. Don't you? Round of applause for Winnipeg. One great city, right? Who remembers that motto like... 10 years, 20 years? Okay, you remember it. Good, good. Well, my message today is that we love our city best when we pray for it to be blessed. Let me say that one more time. We love Winnipeg best when we pray for it to be blessed. I love Winnipeg. I was born here almost exactly 37 years ago. I mean, not on this stage, but (laughs) you get the point. All five of my kids were actually born in the same hospital that I was born in. My mom was born in southern Manitoba. Her dad apparently was the very first potato farmer in all of Manitoba way back in 1942. My dad was born in Brandon, and ancestors before that... All that to say, I love Manitoba. I love Winnipeg. And even though my beautiful bride is an American, I uh, have never seriously considered the idea of moving outside of Manitoba. Some of you are immigrants. You chose to come here to Manitoba, to Winnipeg, because in some way you sensed, like it was a place of promise, your promised land. You saw that relative to where you were, you saw some uh, ability for prosperity, maybe a higher degree of peace. Some type of blessing or promise was here for you. And so you uprooted everything, your family, and came to Winnipeg. I'm not sure if you knew exactly what you were getting into, You probably arrived in February, our coldest month, (laughs) but you've been here ever since. It's been your promised land. But for some people, this is actually a place of exile. All three of my siblings that were born here just like I was have actually uh, packed everything up and left our province. Many, uh, Many of my friends have done that as well. And where do they go? Where do they go when they leave this pristine prairie province? (laughs) They go to the mountains or they go to the ocean, right? Now, mountains are not for me. In my perspective, mountains are just nasty rocks that block out the sunrise and the sunset. Do you know there's a town in Norway uh, that is in the midst of a mountain valley, way at the bottom, and for four months of the year, they don't get any direct sunlight? Crazy. So they thought of this plan. Check this picture out. They put mirrors on top of the mountain so they could shine the light down into their town square, and when they do that, there's a sunspot in the town square about as big as this stage, and everybody from the town runs out, gets their daily dose of vitamin D, And that's how they do it. Mountains are not for me. But, ocean side, a lot of people go to the ocean, right? The fresh air coming off the the ocean, the salt water. I mean, who actually wants to swim in salt water? Not me. And I'm sure you're with me in that. Fresh water, any day of the week, I'm there. Salt water, well, not quite. Plus, there's all sorts of storms that come with living close to the water, right? Like this one, like you're enjoying your beach day, and all of a sudden, this storm rolls in. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> Oceanside living is not for me. But just last night, I was at my uncle's house about an hour south from here, and I took this picture of the sunset. That is why I love Manitoba. Manitoba sunsets, sunrises, flatness. I mean, some people think flatness is bad. Here in the Prairie Province, it's good. So for me, this place has been a promised land. And for other people, it's been a place of exile. And I actually understand some of their perspective. Uh, Like, our provincial bird here in Manitoba is the mosquito. Mosquito. Yeah, you're tracking with me. You're tracking with me. The, um, you know, in the springtime when it rains, you have to be careful with your cats, dogs, and small children because mosquitoes might just suck them dry. Right? Or um, the two seasons of Winnipeg are... Winter and construction. You're all tracking with me. You know it exactly. You know where the North End campus is we are on Selkirk Avenue, that first block from Main Street to uh, Salter. We're in that block. And this summer, they began to tear it up, go six feet down, and start rebuilding the entire thing, including the sidewalks, the street lamps, everything. And they started in the beginning of, well, mid-May. And they said it was going to go till, you know, beginning of September. Well, at November, we started wondering when things were going to wrap up, and then it snowed. And so those two seasons, this year especially, have really overlapped, construction and winter. Also, our uh, license plates. What does it say on our license plates? Yeah. Friendly Manitoba. But that's probably about as far as it goes in terms of friendliness. Because <laughs> as soon as you actually start driving, you realize you're trying to change lanes or merge, and nobody's going to let you in. What's with that? I mean, then there's, of course, the more serious things like flooding and extreme temperatures, both in summer, plus 40, and in winter, minus 40. And the crime in our city is absolutely atrocious too. One of the uh, worst crime rates of any city across Canada. Not good stuff. And, of course, there's also a sense of spiritual exile that goes along with all of that as well. People that do not honor God with the way that they're living. People that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. People that disrespect God's ways through and through in every area of their life. A spiritual exile. But God can transform our city from a place of exile, into a promised land. He's got a plan. And you and I have a very important role in that plan. That role is to pray. Pray for our city. When we love our city best, we pray for it to be blessed. We want to see Winnipeg full of God-loving, God-fearing people. I'm sure you're on board with me with that. You want to see Winnipeg full of completely committed Christians that live their lives to the glory of God in every single way. People that have received the free gift of salvation. I want to see that, and you want to see that, far more than we do today. And we will see that. We will see that. When we stand on a given promise when we step into an act of prayer, and when we stay active while waiting. The three points for today's message. So first, we stand on a promise. Where do we find that promise? It's in Proverbs 11, verse 11, which says, By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But, but, it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked." You see, people have been cursing our city for decades. It's nothing new. People complain. You know, all the things I mentioned already, you know, that's not exactly building up the city. It's not exactly blessing our city. And sometimes, uh, each of us, we have a role in that too. But a city is overthrown by the words of the wicked. You know... Over the last year, more than any other year in ministry, more people have been coming to me for prayer because they feel there's a spiritual oppression in their lives. Sometimes they use words like demonic presence. Sometimes they use words like curses. But when they come to me and I ask them, uh, like, is there someone in your life that would have put this curse upon you? Most oftentimes there is an answer, yes. The people that used to live in my home were this and this type of people. They were into witchcraft or dark magic, or there's someone at work who really doesn't like me, and they're into this um, ancient, religious type of thing. The demonic realm, the spiritual realm, is real, and the words of the wicked carry weight. It's true. Sometimes it's an ex-lover or a family member that has put a curse against them. But when I pray for them, they experience freedom because God is bigger than the curse. Because the blessing of the upright lifts up the city. And a city, of course, is made up of many individual people like yourself. So, we stand on that promise And God gave a similar promise to the Israelites Uh, 650 years. Before Jesus was born, the Israelites were in a, a phase of life where they had turned their back against God. And God, as a consequence, was about to give them into captivity to the Babylonians, send them into exile. And as he's about to do this, the king of Israel realizes he needs some understanding, some wisdom for what's about to happen. So he calls in all his advisors and they're beginning to tell him, oh, you know what, king, uh, this exile is only going to be two years. It's not going to be much of a a deal. Uh, You know, just give the king what he wants for the Babylonian king, what he wants for two years, and then we'll be back right here and life will continue as it is. But there's one prophet who hears the true word of God. His name's Jeremiah. And in his book that bears his name, he writes a word to the king. And he says, it's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70 years. And so it's 70 years. That's an entire generation. That's probably more than one generation at the time that we're talking about, uh, almost 2,700 years ago. And so there is a promise. God includes a promise. You are going into exile, but there is a promise. And so we'll read Jeremiah 29, verse 7, which says this. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. If you feel like you're living in a place of exile, this is your promise. Pray for it. Pray for the city. Pray for the household you're in. Pray for the the work, the job, the employer that you're working under. If you feel like you are in exile in any way, pray for that peace in that situation, and God will bring it. The the first stanza of this uh, verse, seek the peace of the city, in some other translations it talks about um, working towards the peace of the city. And so I know that there are things for us to do practically in our city that brings peace, that brings prosperity and well-being into our city. There are things for us to do. I'm not minimizing that. But I want us to recognize that we have to begin with prayer. Bless our city with prayer. And God will lift it up. If we continue the promise in Jeremiah that God is giving to these people that are about to go into exile, verses 10 through 14 says this, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I, the Lord, will visit you and perform my good word toward you. God saying he will, perf- will fulfill the promise and cause you to return to this place, the promised land of Israel. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then which that then means at that time, near the end of the 70 years, when it's about time for this promise to be fulfilled, at that time you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me with all, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. And so we stand on a promise just like this, The Israelites stood on a promise like this, that even though they were in a land of exile, they could find peace, they could find prosperity, even while they were there, and that when the 70 years are over, they will go back to the land that God, their Lord, had promised to them. So, we stand on a promise, namely Proverbs 11. When we bless our city, God lifts it up. We love our city best when we pray for it to be blessed. And that brings us to the second point. Step into an act of prayer. This is when we've understood that promise and now we're digging in to actually praying for it. You see, 69 years after Jeremiah wrote this message to the king of Israel, 69 years later, they were almost at the end of this exile But, of course, when you're living in the midst of an exile, even though there's a promise, it's hard to know, hard to believe it, right? It's hard to believe that this next thing will come, surely. But there's a man who's about 80 years old, and his name is Daniel. And he's ready to take this promise at face value and go into prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord so that his people can be restored to their land of promise. This is what we read in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, which is the Babylonians, the the same people, just a different name. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the book's the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. And the Lord, he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes. He read the text, he saw the promise, and he was ready to put it into action. The promise he read, we read here a few minutes ago, When 70 years is over, if you seek me, you will find me and I will restore you into the land of promise. And so Daniel realizes this is the moment. The moment of this promise being fulfilled is right around the corner. I've got to get into gear with this message. I've got to get into gear seeking the Lord, praying to Him, fasting, so that His word would be fulfilled. Now, Daniel didn't just think this was a good idea in this moment of his life. If we read the entire book of Daniel, we actually understand that much of his life was lived in a way honoring God. And this isn't the first time that he took God's promise at face value. When he was in his teenage years and he was first uh, taken from Israel as a captive, he probably was maybe even as young as 10 years old brought to Babylon as a captive he made a choice to honor God by the foods that he ate he asked his captive captor to feed him only vegetables and he did that and Daniel came out of that situation wiser more highly esteemed because he chose to honor God rather than man and then when he is probably in his 40s his his fellow advisors to the king because he had rose up to high ranks official in this land. The other advisors wanted to uh, knock him down a peg. And so they made a rule, a law with the king saying anybody who prays to a foreign god aside from the Babylonian king will be punished to death. And Daniel, again, he chooses to honor God with his prayers and he continues praying three times a day facing Jerusalem. And His Babylonian co-workers They betray him to the king And they throw him into a pit of lions Check out this picture I think he could only have a face like that If he knew that God had a promise To keep him To shut up the mouths of the lions And he did God protected him through that night And not one lion got a taste of Daniel there Because he prayed, not just in that moment, but three times a day for decades before. And so we come to this moment where in the year 69 of the 70 years, Daniel realizes this is my moment. He's got lots of experience praying, he's got lots of experience fasting, and he stands on the promise. I guarantee that none of us really have the tenacity of prayer that Daniel had. At any point in his life, how many of us would willingly accept the punishment of death just so that we could pray to our God, the real living God? That's what Daniel chose. But each and every one of us, we can make sacrifices so that we can pray. We can make sacrifices to make prayer a priority, maybe a few meals here or there. Maybe we need to uh, sacrifice some sort of standing with our co-workers. We can pray at work. We can give up some of that nightly entertainment and spend a few moments praying for our city to be blessed. Daniel saw this as extremely important, to pray for the situation he was in and pray the promises that he was given into reality. Just like Daniel heeded the call from Jeremiah to step into an act of prayer, so do we. We heed the call to bless our city through prayer. But sometimes an answer from God or a manifestation of that answer in this world doesn't come quickly, it doesn't come right away. What then? Well, that's the third point. We stay active while waiting. We stay active while we are waiting. We pray, and then we continue to pray. We don't give up just one time after praying once. We continue to pray. You see, in the spiritual realm, when we begin to pray, there's a battle that begins because of the words that we speak. Satan's plans are at risk of falling through because of the prayers that you pray. And he's willing to fight to gain that ground back. In Daniel 10, in response to a dream that God gives to him, God gives to Daniel, he doesn't have full understanding of what that dream means. And so he commits himself to three weeks of prayer and fasting. And his fast sounded like this. He ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth. And he didn't anoint himself at all. Which basically means, in our modern day standards, he didn't shower for three weeks. So, I don't know about you, I'll probably skip out that part. But the Daniel fast, he invented the Daniel fast. How many of you heard of the Daniel fast? There's like a million books with that title. The most famous one is probably by Rick Warren, The Daniel Plan. And, of course, the the food we eat is only a a part of that. It's 40 days to a healthier lifestyle. Anyways, but Daniel realizes that he needs to fast for understanding of what this message that God is trying to give to him and so he's fully committed. And at the end of those three weeks, an angel shows up. An angel shows up. In verses uh, 12 and 13, we read what the angel tells Daniel about why it took him three weeks to show up. And this is what he says. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand... that's like from the first day Daniel began to pray... And to humble yourself before your God, that'd be the fasting, your words were heard. From the very first day you started to pray, your words were heard. And I have come. The angel came because of those words, the first words that were said on day one. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, who had been, he that's a demonic prince, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, an angelic prince, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. From day number one, the answer was given. The command of God was spoken out in response to Daniel's prayer on day number one. But it was three weeks later when that answer came to something in this physical world. You and I have great importance in praying for our city for anything really but we might not see the action of that command fulfilled in this world for some time because there's a spiritual battle taking place and our continued prayers being active in the waiting will serve as weapons in the spiritual realm and so we stand on a given promise That a city is built up by the blessings that we pray. We step into an act of prayer. We sacrifice the things we can sacrifice to make prayer a priority. And we are active in the waiting. Knowing that you and I have an extremely important role in the spiritual battle. And so now I'm going to invite us into an activation. We are going to take what I've just talked about and do that practically right here in this room. And so on the screen, there's going to be four prayer points coming up on the screen. And I'm going to invite you to pray for those prayer points. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to invite you to get into clusters of three or five or, or whatever, maybe a household, a group of friends, or maybe some strangers you're meeting for the very first time today. That's totally great. Turn around and get into your, your little groups. And then for... Number one, spiritual awakening. This section and the three sections in the back, you'll take that section, spiritual awakening. These are very broad prayer points, so there's lots to say. And uh, I would encourage you to, for everyone in your group, to say something small, even if it's just a sentence or two. For these two sections, front and back, pray for the peace and well-being of our city, all the people that are residents here in Winnipeg. And these two sections, front and back, pray for the government and its services. We all know they need plenty of prayer, right? (laughs) And this this section here and the three sections in the back pray for families and for life, the sanctity of life, that we would live God-honoring lives, not just as Christians, but as a city entirely. So we're going to take a few moments to do that right now. My mic is going to be muted because I don't want to distract you, but I'm going to pray along with some of you uh, from this stage here as well, but you won't hear me all throughout the room. You got the instructions? All right. turn towards one another, and let's see it happening. Lord God, we thank you that you hear these prayers today. We thank you, Lord, that as we've gathered to bless our city, we can trust in the Almighty God to even in this moment command blessing forth. God, even though we understand we may not see this being fulfilled in this world today, in this moment, we trust your command has been sent forth. And we will not give up praying. We will not stop seeking your blessing for our city. We thank you that you are far more able to transform our city from exile into a place of promise than we are. But we know we have a role to pray and to go and do. And we ask, Lord God, that you would empower us for these things. Bless our city, Jesus. Bless our city. Amen. Amen. And now that you all have a little bit of experience praying for our city, um, continue on. And just as Pastor Steve announced uh, at the beginning of the service, there is the Leap Into Leap Year prayer and fasting fasting initiative happening Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I can see many of you there. That'll be great. Uh, Also, in in your households, in your homes, in your private life, continue praying and blessing our city. Because... You love your city best when you pray for it to be blessed. Amen. Why don't you stand with me today? I just want to ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads today. We're just going to close out this service with one simple question. And that question being, Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The reason that this question is so important for each and every one of us to have an answer is because we know that every one of us has turned our back against God at some point. We have lived our own lives and we have sinned. Some people think that, you know, as long as my goodness outweighs my badness or my sin, that'll be enough and I will get into heaven. But that's not how it works. Even just one Sin, one thing that's done against God is enough to spoil it all. And so we are destined for an eternity of hell because of it. But our Creator, our God, did not want us to stay like that because He loves you so much and He loves me. And he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay that punishment of death and separation from God. Jesus took that consequence and he exchanged it for new life for me and for you. And so today, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord or Savior, and you want to do that in this moment, I ask you just to raise your hand. We all need a Savior. We all need to... Have the answer that yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord, is my Savior. The scripture says that when we trust in Him as our Savior, He will remove our sin as far as the East is from the West. It's not even on the balance anymore. If you want that today, just raise your hand and we're going to say a prayer in a moment. Everyone in this room, thank you. Thank you for those hands. You can put your hands down. We're going to say this prayer together, everyone in this room. But for those of you who raise your hand, it's really important for you to say this prayer because the Bible says, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. And so please, everyone, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I've been a sinner. I've lived my life my own way and turned my back against God. But today that changes because I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I accept His new life through His resurrection. And I accept the Holy Spirit to help me live a godly life. Today is different from yesterday. Because I am a Christian. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give some claps to God. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing here today. We give you glory and honor. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose.